Hello and welcome back to episode two of the Disc Golf Hour, the podcast where Jeremy and I talk about the world of disc golf and everything that's happening in it. And um, this marks uh, attempt number, I don't even want to think about it, of trying to record this intro. My mic broke. I'm on a new microphone. My cat decided to stop our recording once. It's been it's been an experience trying to get this podcast recorded. Uh, but we have soldiered through to bring you, the viewers, uh, the second episode of the Disc Golf Hour. Isn't that right, Jer? Yes. For me, it feels <laughs> like the Disc Golf Week at this point. But It does feel you know. a little bit more like the Disc Golf Fortnite and not the Disc Golf Hour. But uh, that's fine. We're, we're doing our best. So the episode this week, we're talking about the off-season. We're doing an off-season review. So we're going to talk about contracts. We're going to talk about... Uh, people moving from one manufacturer to the other uh, and then we're going to kind of give you our thoughts about winners and losers that sort of thing uh before though there's a couple of news items that i think are are noteworthy worth talking about um and uh yeah so we'll talk about those and then we'll get into the main topic so the first thing that we wanted to talk about about a week ago just after we recorded our first episode actually uh paul mcbeth tweeted out or uh, posted on instagram his touring schedule and there's something very interesting about his touring schedule, which is that there is a conspicuously missing tournament, which is uh, Las Vegas Challenge, the, the opening tournament of the year. What do you, what do you think about this, Jer? Uh, I think it's really, really interesting. Uh, and I think it could be for a couple of reasons. Uh, the first is that he's already skipping the All-Star Weekend. And so he just wants to stay at home for a bit longer, uh, start his tour at the Memorial. Uh, which I think makes sense because traditionally in the past, he hasn't had terribly strong showings at LVC by his standards. Like he hasn't won it recently. So that's on subpar standards for Paul Macbeth. Um, And the Memorial is a tournament he has crushed in the past. He is, I think the highest rated round on record at that, at that event and the Fountain Hills course. And he's won it numerous times uh, by significant margins. So I think he may, after having a bit of a struggle last season, try to try and be trying to start his his touring season off on like a really strong point a tournament. He's probably favored to win, and he's unlikely to get super punished for skipping the LVC. I I think long term. Yeah, like with the Disc Golf Pro Tour format, at least in years past, you've gotten to drop bad events. And with the new playoff structure, I mean, we were looking at it before the podcast, like they haven't released exact details of how it's going to work yet, but the playoffs are going to start with about 100 MPO players. And I don't know about you, but I have a good feeling that Paul Macbeth can make the top 100, even if he skips the Las Vegas challenge, you know, like I, uh, I, I like his odds. So, so that's that's one part of his his schedule that's pretty interesting. The other part is he's actually skipping a couple of, a couple of other DGPT events in order to go on about like a month long European leg of his tour. So he's he's skipping, uh, I think it is two events uh, in the in the DGPT uh, tour, and he's playing the Nokia Open um, in Finland. He's playing the Altugise Open in Estonia. He's playing the Sula Open in Norway, and then he's going back to uh, Finland, and he's playing the European Open as well. 
Um, what do you think about this? This is this is pretty interesting to me. Yeah, lots of people are going over to play the the Sula Open at the very least. I think it fits into the the schedule pretty well. So I think a bunch of pros have that on their schedule. Um, I think it makes sense. Paul's done really well in Europe in the past, uh, and the past couple of years hasn't been able to go over due to the the pandemic, of course. Uh, still sort of up in the air, I imagine, whether he's actually going to go. I imagine it's he's planning to go, but, you know, pandemic allowing. Um, but it makes a lot of sense because of his success, and he's been on record saying that he enjoys those tournaments a lot. Uh, he's, he's, and, and not just because he's had success, he said he really likes the fans, he really likes going and experiencing the culture. Uh, I know his, his wife, Hannah, really enjoys going over there and has a lot of friends on the, the European tour. So yeah, I think it's interesting, but it, it makes a lot of sense. And once again, like Paul Macbeth's not gonna have trouble qualifying for the DTPG championship or the playoffs. So like, long term probably not going to to hurt him yeah seems seems like a a manageable problem (laughs) at the very least i wonder what the coverage is going to be like for those events because obviously like with dgpt stuff going on like no no jomez none of none of those post-production companies are going to be there obviously there are now like many good to great uh level post-production companies and i i don't know it would be interesting to it'll be interesting to see exactly what the coverage looks like i know like the spin tv used I, to cover the European open right like quote, that that's yeah. that i remember watching those videos um and their coverage know. was always always pretty good and they often for the bigger events got uh english-speaking commentators whoever they may be to make the coverage a little more accessible to a wider audience so i'd expect at least some of those tournaments to have good coverage with English commentary. So yeah, that would be good. I'm excited. Yeah. I would really like that. I I think it would be great to get the European scene a bit more love. Uh, I feel like, like at least for me, I look at the results. I, I, whenever, you know, like a big European event is happening, I'm, I'm checking the leaderboards, but I, I will, I fully admit that I don't go and watch the coverage, you know, because it's, it's rarely super accessible. And even the times that it is, it's, it's not usually, uh, at the forefront of my, of my, uh, thinking, you know, I'm not, I'm not thinking to go watch the coverage. I mean, I'll admit sometimes I've struggled through like the English subtitles of disc golf, uh, foreign disc golf coverage on YouTube. And just because I want to watch, like, there's some exciting European players who haven't come to the States yet. Like, Askari Vikstrom is a really young Discmania player who throws, like... Like a gajillion miles. Probably, he hasn't come to the pro- States at all yet, eh? He's been over, but he hasn't been on much coverage. Right. So he's, he, I think he played LVC in the Memorial one year, and that right. was it. I was going to say, and, I thought I remembered him being in, like, a distance competition or something, wasn't he? Yeah. He he maybe throws further than Eagle. Um, <laughs> and there's a couple other exciting players who I haven't seen much of. So like, I just wanted to watch them throw discs. And, and it's so interesting to watch the Europeans because so many of them are so well-rounded. Like almost all the top European players have like, their their strategy is just throw whatever the best shot for the hole is. Like they're well-rounded enough that if if a hole moves 
left to right, they're probably going to throw forehand if the forehand is what I, what is called for. They all are very proficient with both spins. They're all very good putters. Like, it's really interesting to see, like, there are less specialists in the top of the European game, I would, I would say. I wonder if that influences course design in that in that region too like if if you're designing pro level courses for a bunch of pros who have both spins like all of a sudden making like a 300 foot hole that requires um a disc to move um left like is is it's like a, a much or sorry to move right to finish hard right like all of a sudden that's a much less challenging hole than it maybe would be in in north america where like maybe uh not all of the pros have have that kind of distance on their on their forehand and obviously we're assuming that most pros are right-handed i'm actually left-handed so i i love those holes please yeah. make more more hard right finishing 300 to 400 foot holes yeah, sign me up uh <laughs> i actually but... think it's probably the opposite i think it's a function of i think from what i've seen from european coverage is that on average european courses are harder to par than most north american courses even at the pro level and so as a function of that as you play in tournaments and start competing at higher levels in europe you're playing these challenging courses more often and you're just required to learn those skills whereas mm. in in the us at a lot of courses they're more open they're older so they're not as challenging because the courses generally have become in north america at least have become more challenging as time has gone on so you're, right i don't think there's a an area with a high high enough concentration of championship level courses where you're gonna learn on championship level courses and you just are forced to develop both spins at a at a high level yeah, and this is probably a, a topic. We'll 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 table this for now. This is a topic for another podcast. But I do think that like disc golf development and like how how young players are like learning and improving now is like a pretty interesting thing to uh, to look at. For sure. Um, yeah. The other piece of news, and this is like the the big bombshell dropped today, was rumored for quite a long time, is that uh, Katrina Allen. We knew that she was leaving Prodigy, and the rumor was that she was going to DGA, but it was uh, unconfirmed. Today it was confirmed. So she's she's confirmed moving to DGA. Details of the contract not uh, publicly announced. Same as Andrew Marweed, right? His, his details, his contract yeah. details were also private. Yeah, I haven't seen any, like, even hints of any of the contract details. I don't know the contract lengths. I don't know money. I don't know bonus structures, signing bonuses, anything. You got to imagine it wasn't terrible, given that she is the reigning world champion, right? Hard to, hard to imagine. Yeah, her her the... stock is like probably the second highest it's been. Like she's getting older, so I imagine it was probably the highest when she won her first world title. But yeah, but now the like the contracts are much higher, so I'd be shocked if she wasn't getting paid the most she's got, like just from a disc golf contract. Yeah, I, I would I would think that's probably true, um, and yeah, I mean I think that that move is is interesting. We'll talk about it more a little later in the show, uh, along with the Andrew Marweed move because I do think that DGA is like a, really did a good job of kind of vaulting themselves into being a bit of a player. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, I, I I think that that's quite interesting. But like I said, we'll talk about that a bit later. Um, 
I want to move into our our main topic for for the episode, which is the the off season in review, and in particular. What we want to start by doing is rating some of the offseason moves. So uh, there are a lot of big names either on the move or or staying put, but getting contract extensions that were quite large and honestly too many to talk about in, in detail in the in the course of one one hour long podcast because our, we're of course only ever going to to be an hour long. We're going to cut the recording once we hit sixty minutes. Um, so. So we we've picked a couple of uh, of moves that we want to talk about in particular, and yeah, uh, we're gonna talk about them, kind of give you our thoughts, maybe a bit of a rating of of how how good we think the move is for uh, the manufacturer, and then yeah, we'll we'll go from there. So to start off with, we're gonna talk about uh, this. I think is the highest profile move of the off season. Maybe, yeah. maybe Katrina Allen is now. It's close. It's one of those. Two. No, I think Ricky is just because of the money involved. Like, yeah, that's probably true. And so, so Jared just said it. This is this is Ricky Wysocki leaving his end of a deal early, right? Le- left yeah. left his end of a deal early and then signed yes. with Dynamic Discs. Uh, Jared, what are the details of the contract? Uh, so he's getting a million dollars per year for four years, guaranteed, with a two hundred and fifty thousand dollars signing bonus paid out in Bitcoin. Which is now worth half of what it was when he got it, probably. <laughs> well, it's it's not confirmed that they've actually paid the signing bonus yet. Ah, so, I see. Okay. So them waiting might have actually been been beneficial to Ricky. He might get to buy yeah. the dip, so it, so they say. But <laughs> okay, and, okay, fair and enough. it's it's a million dollars guaranteed, and that's not necessarily including bonuses like disc sales which he's inevitably getting a cut of or tournament uh finish bonuses which he's inevitably getting or stuff like that so do we know uh do we know what his signature series are going to be yet the the, the uh he has a few already he has a glow harp i believe uh the new orbit plastic felon oh the orbit plastic looks excellent yeah, I, mean, I know a lot of manufacturers are jumping on this kind of like uh, Halo trend, yeah. but I I do like the the orbit is nice. It looks really good, uh, and he has a dagger. I can't remember what what plastic. Probably the baseline, is. you would think, right? It's it's some one of the baseline. It's a putter plastic, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, but, makes sense. Origin yeah. maybe. That's like the burst one. Yeah, I'm. I, I don't think it's is that what it is? Origi- I don't know. I... Origio is West Side. Okay, I yeah, think. yeah. I think but I think the... they call it classic with classic uh, with DD. Yeah, but I don't. Well, the dagger is a lat sixty four disc as well. Oh, but, it gets even more complicated. The plot yeah, when trilogy is so hard to keep track of. <laughs> I'm I'm not going to speculate on which which putter plastic it is, but it's it's but it is a dagger. That that's the important yeah. part. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure he's going to get more discs, and they've also talked about uh, giving him, like, he's going to be designing discs for them. He's already spoiled what the first disc is going to be. It's going to be an overstable approach disc with a thumb track. So they're, they're making him a pig. Yeah. <laughs> is what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Um, so what do you what do you think of this move? I mean, for Ricky and for Dynamic Discs. So I think it's really really good for ricky uh it's like 10 out of 10 for ricky i think he is less marketable than paul Macbeth because he is uh 40 of the world titles 
he is probably the best player in the world right now if you're being like ob- objective about it he won yes, you, you and i disagree about this often but <laughs> i mean he, you're you admit to not being objective so so um, do you <laughs> sure <laughs> but by but most yeah, metrics he yeah, he's yeah. he is the best um and so i think he it was like really good timing for him uh but being able to get the same deal as paul I think is smart and I think I think the shorter term contract might be beneficial for him because I think there's a chance that the boom keeps going and that he could get more money in the future. I don't know how likely that is, but there's a chance. I was going to say we're already I I've been reading some articles that manufacturers are already seeing a decrease in sales from the the kind of pandemic boom that we experienced but i don't know that that necessarily is going to translate to pro play because although maybe sales are down part of the reason the sales went up so much is because the player base skyrocketed right and so with the player base skyrocketing you you got to think that that brings more advertising dollars in that makes the tour a more viable thing for advertisers to pour money into and if there's more money in the tour manufacturers need to put more money into their players so yeah you could be right it's it'll be interesting to see where it goes yeah, and from Dynamic Discs' perspective, they had sort of been floundering. Their their pro team had sort of been floundering for a while. They were hemorrhaging top like all their top players over the past sort of four or five years. Yeah, and they're just they they weren't even replacing them with sort of I don't want to say inferior players, but but other, other players, other they, players they, who they, aren't they didn't quite even as have good. like a core a core team anymore. They were losing those players too exactly so they definitely needed to sign some players and i think getting a like marquee player like ricky is a really good like a really good signing for literally any any manufacturer it's easy just to put ricky waisaki on a disc mark it up 20 percent, and they will sell out immediately so yeah and uh yeah, if you were going to give it a number between like a 1 and a 10, 1 being really terrible signing, 10 being best signing of the offseason, where where do you think it is? Just for so I think, sake of comparison going forward. Yeah, so from Ricky's perspective, I gave it a 10. From Didi's perspective, I think I'd give it an 8. Just because it it is a lot of money and I'm not sure, like, from a short-term narrow perspective, they'll get the return on it. I think just having Ricky on your team gives you a lot of like sort of intangible benefits that if they're smart, they will be able to cash in on. Um, Just like with Ricky on your team, it'll be easier to get other players um, by disclosing the contract details. You're sort of signaling to other players that you're willing to pay them reasonable amounts. That's another way to get better players. Uh, they now have a world champion, another world champion back on their team. I guess they still have Paige, Paige Bierkes. Um Paige Shoe. Paige Shoe now, right. Um, but he's just so marketable. And so, like, I think if they sort of, like, capitalize on that as much as they can, because I think Ricky's, like, super down to, like, be marketed and, like, I think they can sort of grow grow together and use their resources to to help grow Ricky as well. Yeah, like he has um, a YouTube channel that he like very 
like actively posts on I, I agree with you i think he seems very willing to kind of engage in the the more like influencer part of being a pro that i think has become become part of the the disc golf world in like the last kind of two three years yeah so I, but i'm i'm only giving it an eight because of the price tag and i think from a pure disc golf perspective he's not worth that much money interesting okay great so uh we were talking about dd they they signed a bunch of players this offseason uh and like you were saying definitely required some other ones that we aren't going to talk about that i'll just mention very quickly are uh, mason ford and valerie montahano also also signing to dd I, I would say good good signings. So those are good Ga- players. Gavin Rathbun as well. Gavin Rathbun, yeah, that was the other big name that they got er- early in the season. But the other one that we want to talk about, the other DD signing, um, is Kota Panis, who uh, signed sort of uh, around the same time that DD announced two large signing, one FPO, one MPO, were going to be coming, in, and Kona is the large FPO signing. Uh, yes. So what do you, what do you think about this move? Uh, so I'll, I'll go over the deal. First of all, yes. Sorry, uh, please, please tell us more. Just relevant. It's five <laughs> five hundred thousand over four years, so one hundred twenty five thousand guaranteed per year. Uh, I don't think she got a signing bonus, but I imagine there are other bonuses attached to the deal. Um, notably, it's the same deal that Latitude sixty four gave Kristen Tatar when she resigned towards the end of last season. Uh, and I think. This deal is like a 14 out of 10 for Kona Panis. <laughs> because like, and a lot of people have been saying this, like Kona had a reasonable season last year. She won uh, Waco, which is a pretty big event. But I don't think many people would put Kona among the FPO elite. She's a very good player. She is a tournament threat. She can win tournaments. But I don't think anyone would ever give her like good odds of winning a tournament. So DD offering her a contract equivalent to somebody who I think is one of, if not the most valuable FPO players in the world is a little odd. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because the Kristen deal was public. Uh, and I mean, Kona even talked about this in her, in her kind of, uh, press when she was talking about the contract that this was the way that she kind of went about negotiating was when she went to DD she said hey like would it be possible for me like is, is Kristen Tartar like money sorry Kristen Tatar my mistake uh, is Kristen Tatar like money on the table and they said it was it was it sounded like it was like kind of uh, yeah she, she she asked for it and they just said yeah she yes. was like give me give me five hundred thousand dollars and they said all right sounds good like <laughs> which is which is kind of interesting um yeah so what do you think of it so for dd you think sorry did I, you give I, a number yet you said i think Kota, it's Kota probably around i think it's probably around between six and a half to seven and a half i think it sort of depends on how kona does this season i think I think no matter what, they overpaid for for Kona. Like they also mentioned that she's like has a really good brand and she's gonna sell discs. She's she's very good at doing that as well. And she's she's like incredibly active on social media. Like doesn't need much help. Like she has a great social media presence, which is certainly is valuable. But 
Yeah, it's going to depend on how Kona does this season. I think there's sort of two ways it can go. Um, she has struggled with her putt for years now. Um, and so I think if she's able to get her putt sorted, which is sort of the the cause of most of the tournaments she did, like especially poor in last season, that that will go a long way to making this deal look look a lot better because she had a few tournaments last season where she finished like outside of the top 12 outside of the top 15 which isn't somebody something you want who's premier premier fpo player yeah supposed to be like yeah your premier fpo player who's supposed to be winning winning tournaments yeah yeah totally so i think if she can get her putt sorted like and obviously have minimal growing pains with building the new new plastic yeah then uh then i think this deal is like fine to good uh if she continues struggling or like has new struggles then i think this deal will look medium to not great and and what do you think like she's thrown in over her whole life right like probably yeah her her dad's worked for innova for a long time as far as i know so She's yeah, probably so, she grew up with Innova and was sponsored by Innova fairly yeah. early on. So, I mean, I, I think it's interesting. I think I don't think that like most pros should have like that big of a challenge transitioning, but I think it can be a, a mental thing, right? Where you have to like learn a bunch of new discs and learn like. When, I don't yeah. think so much. It's like learning new molds. It's just getting discs beat in to the yeah. point where they're reliable. Yes, exactly. Like, at a pro level, I think most the biggest struggle is like getting a disc beat into the point where it's not going to change its flight much past that point. And so that just takes a lot of time or you need to like get a sick disc from somebody who's used it and beat it in for you essentially. And so it's just hard to do that like it's sweet that they've made this orbit plastic, which is more overstable, and they're doing gold X and opto X, and they're getting more stable discs for their pros. But it's still sort of to be determined how easy it is to get the discs beat in to the point where they're just like not going to change their flight characteristics much. And those are the discs that are really valuable to pros, I think. Right. Okay. I, I mean, I yeah, I think that that's that's absolutely true, and uh, it'll be really interesting to see how how Kona does. I, I think that last year she came out really hot and then cooled off kind of through the middle of the season and then and then heated up again. So I think the other thing for her is about whether she can find some consistency. I mean, even even if she's not winning events, if she's consistently getting top six, top four. Like I, I think that that's very much so within her range, you know. Like she's she totally. has all the shots. Um, it's, yeah, it's and exactly I w- like you said. It's it's the putting that has caused some issues, and it's just like I don't know if it's like mental game necessarily, but but it seems like she's she's struggled with consistency, especially. Yeah, and I think sort of when she's struggled, it's been her putt that struggled, and then sort of bled into the mental game aspect of the other the other aspects of the game. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it can be so hard. Like when, when your putt is off and you're just tilted and you're like not happy and then you're, you're thinking about that, that three putt that you just had and you step up on the next tee box and then you hit a tree. shank something. Yeah, yeah. like 30, 30 degrees off the, the line you wanted. You hit a tree. You kick right even though your disc is spinning the direction where it's supposed to kick left. Like there's just so many. Like it, it's so easy to. Yeah. And, yeah, and I'm, I wasn't I'm already having to be... nightmares. And I wasn't at all trying to be disparaging towards Kona. I think she's a very good player. I just think getting that contract, she's going to be compared to the elite of the elite in the FPO division. And she just hasn't proven to be on that level as of yet. Yeah, I I, I think that's a a reasonable take for sure. Speaking of the elite of the elite uh, of the FPO division and also inconsistency, uh, we're going to talk about Haley King's move in the (laughs) offseason. Yeah. You like that? You like that segue? <laughs> I very smooth, very smooth. Thank yeah, you. So I'm, she, I'm very talented. <laughs> she went from Discraft to Innova. There's also yeah. essentially no no details from this contract. Innova, as of this recording, basically never posts anything about any of their contracts. Uh, and from what you hear, tend to pay sort of below market value. For players, I think she only signed a one one year deal. Um, that is fascinating to me that that she signed a one year deal. But I I watched an interview with her recently. She did an interview with Johnny Disc Golf, and she said it's. I got the impression that it's not a huge contract, but she want she wanted to sign this one year deal to sort of feel it out, and then next year she's. She's getting paid, it sounds like. So interesting. I don't know if it will be within a virus with somewhere else, but yeah. Okay. So how how do we feel about this contract for for Innova and for Haley? I think for Innova it is very, very good. I think until they announced Haley signing met like people unanimously would have put them as the biggest losers this offseason. They lost most of their team apart from Nate Sexton, Big Germ, and uh, Calvin Heimberg. Uh, they lost so many players. It's it's kind of crazy. Yeah. The aforementioned Mason Ford and Valerie Mondahano, to, to name a few. Yeah. And, and a lot of them were up-and-coming players, too. So it's not the kind of players you want to lose, because you likely didn't need to pay them, like, the big bucks. But they're people, like you who are fun to watch are interesting and both of them are tournament threats like mason ford won a big tournament last year did well at worlds valerie mondahano has been sort of steadily doing well for the past few years so and and last year was her first year of being able to tour full-time and I, I think them. that that Both is a, a big full. a big level up moment for a lot of people, right? Is when you actually get to tour full time, you see you see big uh, improvements in those. Exactly. Which, like obviously, like obviously, when you start playing disc golf as your job, you're going to get better at disc golf. But yeah, I agree with you. It seems crazy to let those kinds of players go. Yeah, and for Haley, I think it, I think it's hard to rate it from her perspective because she seems like a person who maybe money isn't as important as sort of other other things that go on with the contract so i think from a monetary perspective it sounds like it's not an a great deal for Haley, 
But I think getting to be sort of the premier FPO player on that team is important for her as a player. And she says she's really comfortable with the disc because she sort of grew up throwing Innova. And I think she's going to enjoy she's she's mentioned she's enjoying like sort of sinking her teeth into like just throwing a ton of discs and figuring out what it is she wants to throw again it's sort of like reinvigorated her a bit which is which is good because i mean i mentioned inconsistency in the segue and that was her issue right she was last year she was like throw course record round two then go 20 over and take herself out of the running. I mean, that's an exaggeration. But she she was really up and down, even round to round. Uh, yeah. And it, it, it really seemed like there were some tournaments, you and I would watch them together. It looked like she wanted to be anywhere else other than on that disc golf course. Yeah, and that's, that's the biggest takeaway I had from her last season is she was often on lead coverage because she had just, she'd been playing really well. But then her body language was just so so down she just didn't look interested didn't look like she wanted to be there wasn't clearly wasn't enjoying herself so that's sort of what i mean by like i hope this contract has given her like sort of reinvigorated her and sort of sparked sparked her uh passion back yeah spark sparked some joy because when when she's on she's both you and I agree she has the highest ceiling of anyone in the FPO division. Like, oh yeah, yeah, for she, sure. Me- she mechanically, super far, yeah, and she has probably the best build of any of the elite FPO players. Yeah, agreed. To and, to and she's it. she's a stone cold putter when she's playing really well too. Like, yeah, like she has the complete game, has both spins, throws the farthest in the division, puts the best. Again, this is all when when she's playing when she's well. On, but yeah, 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 but. God, the, the ceiling is, is crazy, crazy high with, with Haley, I think. Yeah, so I think it's a great signing for Innova. Sort of, like, very difficult to rate To assess Haley, how it is for her. But yeah. monetarily, likely not very good. I mean, I, I think it's it's a bit of, like, a prove-it contract almost, right? I think it's, like, one of these, like, uh, I'm going to play really well this year, and then I'm going to be a free agent, and... Yeah, like except I, I think she didn't need to do that. Like, I think I agree. she's already proven it. She's won a bunch of tournaments. She's won Elite Series events. She won the DGPT Championship. Like, show show her the money. But. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. I mean, we'll, have, we'll be having the same conversation next year, I guess. Uh, speaking of... Uh, other players who maybe were more motivated by money. Uh, we're going to talk about a player in the FPO. Uh, MPO. Sorry, that is what I meant. Yep, the MPO. Uh, Chris Dickerson. So he left his deal with Prodigy super early, uh, two years early of a, of a four-year contract, and signed with Discraft. Uh, details not fully disclosed, right, Jared? It's sort of... Uh, yeah, have, they're, have they're some vague details. Vague details, so... He's guaranteed enough money to live extremely comfortably, according to him. So, good good source. And the number <laughs> he has suggested the contract is worth, which likely includes bonuses and disc sales and other things, is seven figures over four years. And Chris is a pretty conservative guy, especially when it comes to money. So my guess is 
it's going to be pretty comfortably seven figures over four years. So, I mean, this seems like a decision that was motivated like a lot by by the financial side of things, right? He was last year in interviews talking about how he was skipping events because financially it didn't make sense to go play that event. Yeah. Uh, like, which to me is crazy that one and it is interesting that even this year he is skipping part of the west coast swing Swing. but i think it's more so to do with he just want he and his wife Brittany just want to spend some time at home more so than they can't afford to to do it well and last year it wasn't even i'm not even sure that it was that they couldn't afford but it was that he was looking at tournaments as a pure like ev value calculation of if i go to this event what is my average placing assuming i play well is that prize money greater than the cost of what it will take me to get there you know like and and it it's it's insane to me that like a top five i would say player in the in the division is having to make those kinds of calculations so i i can understand why he was potentially in a bit of a bit of a situation where he was comfortable leaving his contract two years early to to go sign somewhere else yeah what do you what do you think about this deal for him what do you think about it for for discraft um so i think this deal is quite good for chris i think i think in the interview he likely could have got a bit more money out of them but they sort of offered him everything he was asking for so he didn't he didn't push negotiations um for discraft i think it makes a little less sense i mean it sort of depends on their their budget but like there's pretty large diminishing returns on getting like sort of franchise level players i think it's not like in team sports where like if you get two franchise level players you go out and win a championship like you already have paul Macbeth. you're already like and and Paige pierce you're you're gonna win discraft is gonna podium and claim many many tournaments and i'm not sure how much value adding chris dickerson gives you in order to to sort of improve upon that mark i'm sure he will be able to sell them a lot of discs but i'm i'm sort of unsure how much added value he's going to give to the company and it'll be interesting to see sort of how they market him how how much social media stuff he does for them uh how much stuff he does for them apart from just like wearing wearing their jersey and and throwing their discs yeah i i think it's going to be really interesting to see to see how this one shakes out i mean he's someone who he went over to prodigy what in the first kind of big disc golf move right that in 2013 when yeah. almost all of the pro the pro scene went to Prodigy. No, he were... he was he was after that. I think. He's, oh, he was, he's he was he was after that. Fairly new to disc golf. I think he won rookie of the year in twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen. Whoa, really? I didn't realize it was that recent. Yeah, he he hasn't been touring long at all. He was like kind of like a regional pro for quite a while. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, in that case, I, I mean, I imagine that the, the transition to a new bag probably for him won't be as bad as some other some other pros. Yeah. Yeah. And he he's he's mentioned like he threw a bunch of Discraft 
when he was just starting like he, his first ace disc his first ace is on it's on a disc crap disc right disc yeah yeah. Disc. Yeah, so. yeah yeah i remember seeing that that post yeah all right i mean that that's a cool contract the one other aspect i guess for chris is aside from the money uh at prodigy he really was uh competing with with another player and we're going to talk about that player now which is which is kevin jones um so Kevin Jones, this is we're getting into the people who re-upped their contracts. These are people who signed contract extensions instead of moved to a different uh, company. Uh, so Kevin Jones re-signed with Prodigy. The deals are not public technically, but there's been some stuff leaked, right? Yeah. So definitely unofficial. I'm not sure how credible a source has mentioned that. Kevin Jones got around 1.3 million over four years. Okay. Uh, so what what does that put him in? Like, what class does that put him in compared to the rest of the MPO? So that puts in- him in like a step down from Ricky and Paul. But as far as I know, he's probably getting paid about as much or more than literally everyone else in disc golf. Yeah. That's maybe maybe not Paige Pierce. Maybe Paige Pierce is like in in her own tier and then it's everybody else but right right yes Rick, ricky and paul make a lot more than everyone else then probably page then probably the next tier which kevin jones falls into okay and, and so what do you think the rationale was for this this decision like what, what do you feel about it uh for prodigy and for for kevin so i think it's kind of interesting for prodigy because Prodigy lost a lot of players this offseason. A lot of people are talking about Innova, but I actually think Prodigy lost the most players of of sort of importance this season. And it's sort of interesting they went with Kevin when they had Matt Orham and Chris Dickerson, who are technically rated higher and had better seasons than Kevin. Right, because Mattio left as well, right? Yeah, in terms of actually playing disc golf. I think the reason you go with Kevin is because of his social media and, and brand value, because he's much more active on social media than either of those two guys. And he's, he's really well liked by both fans and just the disc golf community in general. He's done a lot of commentary. He's featured a lot in the GK pro skins matches. He's in a lot of sort of just like random other videos. He's thrown one of the most, most seen shots in disc golf history, his slip ace at Maple Hill. So (laughs) he just has a lot of sort of external value apart from being an elite disc golfer. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, I think if you're going to pick someone to be the face of your brand, he's, he's not a brand risk, you know, like he's not going to do anything. Exactly stupid uh and yeah he i mean he is gonna drum up sales maybe disproportionately to his performance and that being said like this is not to poo-poo his his performance either right like he had he had a decent season outside of one catastrophic meltdown um two catastrophic meltdowns last season but yeah okay two catastrophic meltdowns but you know excluding those he and even including those he had a pretty good season right like those meltdowns took him from uh, finishing first at tournaments to finishing third or fourth, right? Which is still, yeah. still great, great results. So yeah, he's... I mean, yeah, it's an interesting choice. Sorry, you were going to say something. I cut you off. Yeah, he he did 
he did pretty well last season. He didn't get like a really big win, but like he did the year before. But I think he's one of those people who's like, if 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 I didn't watch a tournament that weekend and you told me Kevin Jones won, I'd be like, yeah, okay. I wouldn't be like, holy cow, that's ridiculous. So right, right, right. Oh, makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on then to the other contract where the person stayed. So this is a contract we've talked about already a little bit, but this is Kristen Tatars, uh, signed an extension with latitude 64, right? So what, what are the details of this contract? So it's, yeah, we mentioned it already. It's 500,000 over four years guaranteed, uh, the bonus structure and everything else is, is undisclosed. So yeah, and I, I think this is this is my pick for the best sort of mutually beneficial contract. You're signing someone who I think is somehow underrated, even though lots of people think she's really good. I think she's like top two FPO player in the world. I'd probably put her at number one right now. Yeah, I think I would too. Um, and I I think you're paying her. A reason, I, I like, I'll, it's a large contract, but I think she's worth it, and I think she's another person who's like super marketable. She's not a brand risk. She's got a good social media presence and following. Like, she ticks sort of all the boxes. I think so. I think it's a really, really good signing for for both Latitude and Kristen. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. To me, this is the the slam dunk. Like you needed to re-sign this person because otherwise, you know, what are you doing? The the other the other candidates, I guess, for that would be like Kyle Klein re-signing with Discmania was also like a great, great, great re-signing. But this one is just, I mean, they're getting they're getting a player who we talked about Haley having a really high ceiling, but maybe not always realizing it. I mean, Kristen has a an incredibly high ceiling, and like when she misses it, it's not like her floor is super low, right? Like she doesn't collapse or anything. She just gets second instead of first sometimes, well, you know? That's like, why I think she's the best. Is she She's the most well-rounded FPO disc golfer in my mind by a wide margin because yeah, she I throws both true. spins. She's slightly backhand dominant, but she's got a better forehand than the majority of the rest of the field. She's a good putter. And where she separates herself from a lot of the other sort of elite fbo players is her mental game is maybe the best part of her game yeah whereas Paige, katrina Haley, kona all those people are prone to struggle with the mental aspects of the game whereas it seems like it's a it's a strong suit for kristen yeah like when we so like we have a fantasy disc golf league we've talked about it a little bit that we we play with our friends and one thing that that Jerry, you and I talk about all the time is when you're drafting people in the fantasy disc golf league, you need to be careful not to take people with meltdown potential, right? You don't want to to draft players super highly that might go 78th in this tournament, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. there's nothing worse. And Kristen is the exact opposite, right? You can feel really good that she's gonna do well. It's just a question of what what degree of well, you know, like, is this going to be well for almost everyone else or is she going to win the tournament? You know, is it going to be to the standards of, yeah, she got third, which is, yeah, I'm sure anyone almost would be pretty happy with third or, or is she going to win? And I think that, uh, yeah, for me, I, I'm actually surprised that she got as little as she did. Um, to be honest, I think that 
maybe if some of these other moves happened before her contract extension got announced. I, I don't know. It's it's interesting to to think about that, right? I was going to say, and, and that's one thing I wanted to touch on briefly, is that I think the FPO contracts are definitely getting getting better, but I still don't think we should be celebrating them as highly as we are because people are like oh kona kona's contract and kristen's contract are so good they're still worth an eighth of what paul and ricky are getting paid yeah which is Uh, yeah like slightly disappointing yeah it's still still not ideal by any means um yeah it's kind of kind of (laughs) crazy so with that, let's let's go on to talk about what we think off seasons might look like going forward. Because obviously, this is an exceptional off season, both in terms of the number of moves, the amount of money, and total contracts. Do you think that this is sustainable? Like, is this is this something that you see happening going forward, or do you think that this is uh, maybe a, a flash in the pan? This is a reaction to the kind of uh, pandemic boom of disc golf. So I think sort of both. And we've talked about this a bit previously. I I think it's going to be a similar offseason next season because more and more contracts are going to be expiring and then pros are going to be wanting to get paid sort of on the new level that pros are getting paid at. Like I imagine there's a lot of people who are still under contract who didn't, didn't move, didn't resign, didn't renegotiate and are still getting paid less just because the sort of market value for pros has increased by a a ridiculous amount over the past sort of 18 months. And I think next season you'll see a lot of those pros re-signing or moving similar to this off season, maybe not quite to the same extent, and then it'll start to cool down a bit and level off from there. But I think, if you're a pro who's not getting paid sort of post boom prices, you're, you're moving sooner rather than later. (laughs) Yeah. You're going, you're going somewhere where they are going to pay you that. So we probably should have done this after we talked about all the contracts, but that's fine. Uh, It's late. My cat has been staring at me as though he's going to go try and stop the recording again. So I'm watching him like a hawk. Um, but let's talk about the overall manufacturer winner and loser. So I'm gonna get one from you, and then I'll, I'll give mine. So do you want to go? F- do you are you are you cool with going first, and then I'll, I'll yeah. give mine after? So I, right, I'm gonna give, say give your winner. my winner is Dynamic Discs. I think overall they were trending so far downwards, and then they've not only righted the ship, but now they've put themselves in contention for having one of the stronger teams. Or, and I guess Trilogy in general. I'm just going to say Trilogy because they're sort of all one team, but cheat a little bit. But I think <laughs> I think they had a, a stellar offseason and they they fixed a lot of the, the problems they had with their with their pro team. OK, for me, my winner is DGA, uh, which I think is uh, I, I'm surprised that I'm saying this. But I mean, so one of the reasons is. As you were saying, like with dynamic discs, where they were, they seemed to be trending in such a negative direction and then really righted the ship in like an epic way. I think that DGA had like an almost non presence on the pro scene, right? I mean, they had a few are, players, but there are a few players. I was going to say that the, the one I that I named rec- three. Okay, name, name me the three that you can name Noah, Mindsma, Matt that- Bell, and 
uh, Trevor Harbold. Right, and Matt Bell left. Yes, uh, but but that, those those were the three that I could name as well. But this this off season, they a uh, now have an FBO presence, maybe one of the best ones possible, and I think. The Andrew Marweed signing, which we didn't, we talked about very briefly at the top of the show, that's actually my sleeper best signing of the offseason. Because if we want to talk about people who have high ceiling, uh, not necessarily super low floor, I think that Andrew Marweed is a player who uh, would, is one to watch uh, going into the next season. I know you love him too. You, you, yeah, you, you were, I, I were love early on the trend of drafting him in, in fantasy and picking up. Uh, some ludicrous finishes he had i think he finished second in one event where he got drafted in the third round which is like crazy that's so much value um but it's so it's interesting because one thing i I wanted to say really quickly is like i feel like it's a win for dga in two two ways one they just have a competitive pro team now i mean a couple of competitive pro players which is great but two i think that in terms of like brand visibility DGA was really lacking. Like I was saying this to you before the show, like, you know, how many people, how many discs can you name from DGA? And it's like, you know, it's a few, uh, everyone can probably name a couple, but it's, it's kind of crazy to me that like the company that was literally started by like the person who founded the PDGA and the person who invented the disc golf disc just like doesn't really have that kind of presence on the pro scene that, that you would, you would really kind of expect them to, right? Like, uh for for everything everything that that company has done for disc golf it's kind of wild that they they didn't have a, a super substantial um presence so for so for me they're they're the winners and i uh i hope both those players do really well i think it's gonna be gonna be exciting uh for you who's your loser for this year for me it ends up being prodigy i think they lost their two best mpo players and the fpo world champion yeah, that, that doesn't sound good. Like, <laughs> yeah, and they didn't sign anybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you put it that way, doesn't yeah. doesn't doesn't sound great. Like, I mean, at the, Inno- Innovo of- was competing until they signed Haley, and yeah. then their FPO team is now actually better than it was before. They they still probably have the best FPO team, I think. It's them or Discraft. Discraft's close. I was gonna say Discraft's. But having pretty, Haley, pretty Henna, good. and Evelina, like we're gonna see. But I think Henna and Evelina. If you told me they won the first four events of the year, I'd be like, "Yep." Right. Yeah. Yeah. Makes would, sense. Wouldn't wouldn't shock you. It would just be like, "Okay. Yep. Great. Very cool." Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. I mean, so for the sake of saying something different than you, I I think the prodigy argument is is a very good one, and I I do think that you kind of have to have to go that way but i will say innova that that is what i was gonna what i was gonna say i, I they did just ultimately they, they lost ricky they lost coda they lost a bunch of uh, of their kind of mid-level pros as well mason ford valerie modahano um a couple of other players left too i, I i'm blanking right now me too uh, but but yeah. even even just losing those four obviously getting Haley king is great but re-signing nate sexton is, is great but beyond that they didn't do a ton this offseason I, I i agree with you i don't think that their offseason was as bad as prodigies but uh also, they're definitely think, down there yeah on, on the weaker side <laughs> so uh without further ado let's let's move on to one last thing which is the tournament recap or look ahead section now obviously we're still in preseason. there's not a ton to look ahead to but we did get more details on the all-stars event 
last time we said that we would give you kind of more information as it came out and conveniently the next day the format got announced so uh that's great jeremy and i had this wonderful podcast where we talked about the fact that we wanted them to have skills competitions and uh you know maybe a little bit more like meaningful doubles and then they did that uh so so let's talk let's talk about two things one uh we talked last time about the fact that uh ricky and paul are both skipping the event we now know who their stand-ins are going to be and it's going to be uh, ezra aderhold and ganon Bure. um what do you think about those those stand-ins i'm i'm a big fan personally they're fine i think ganon getting in is pretty cool he he probably got in because he won rookie of the year i imagine yeah, um, I imagine that's true. Yeah, I th- I think they're fine. They're both good golfers. That'll be interesting to watch. They both have sort of high high ceilings, so I think they're sort of the people I was hoping would get added to the event. So makes sense. And then on the FPO side, uh, obviously Kristen Tatar isn't playing, uh, and so her spot was uh, given to Rebecca Cox. Um, I was surprised by this one personally. I mean, uh, deserving player, but I, I was surprised that that she was high that as high up in the votes and in the points as she was. Yeah, she didn't have a great year. Uh, she's another one who sort of retooled her entire putt. She she used to push putt, and she started spin putting sort of partway through last season. So she's somebody who I'd expect to sort of get stronger as the year goes on because it's sort of taking one step backwards to take two steps forward type of move. Yeah. I've always liked Rebecca Cox quite a bit. She's a really underrated woods golfer. Yep. Makes sense. So let's talk really quickly about what the format is. So basically I think that they borrowed pretty heavily from the all-star format that the NBA uses. Um, yes. So this is uh for, for those that are unaware the NBA, uh, all-stars get selected from both conferences and then a captain from each conference gets selected and those captains then draft all of the players onto their teams and the teams are agnostic of conference they don't care um they just made these these all-star teams where the captains get to pick them and so that's what's going on here so each each division mpo and fbo will be divided into two teams and they'll compete against each other team captains will select players via snake draft and then, uh, yeah, you'll see players, the winning the winning teams will receive uh, a cash play, payout. So that's cool. I like that. I like that there are some stakes. How, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I like it a lot. I was mentioning that I wanted them to do something sort of that you don't see anywhere else, like make it a very unique event, but not just playing disc golf, like make it make it more fun. And I think they did a good job of of doing that. I think if they make the cash payouts big enough, you'll see people like Ricky and Paul going to this event in the future because I think they're going to get a lot of flack from fans for not being there. Um, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I saw Eagle and Calvin are going to be captains. I don't know if they're going to have FPO captains and MPO captains. They they do, yes. So the, the FPO captains are Paige Pierce and Katrina Allen, and okay. the MPO captains are Eagle and Calvin. It's so the the divisions aren't there's no uh interdivision competition at the All Stars this year. Okay, I, so I it's, like it's that. It's MPO against MPO, FPO against FPO. Yeah, I like that too. I think I think it makes some sense. Uh so then moving on to what the actual competition is gonna look like, it is uh three days. 
So day one, which is the Friday, is the skills day. So the captains are going to pick two players for, per skill, and it's just uh, the winning team for each skill is going to get a point. Your points go into your like long-term total that carries over for the whole weekend. So the three skills are, are putting, makes sense, shot-shaping accuracy, unclear what that means, and accurate distance, which interesting i'm i'm intrigued to see what that means as well i would guess it's probably kind of a golf long drive style where you have to fall within a certain boundary you can't just can't yeah. just whip it as far as possible and, and not care where it lands what do you think shot shaping accuracy is what do you, what do you reckon? my guess is it's kind of like the like football quarterback where you like you're like throwing into targets type right deal. Maybe like, like a kind of a pu- uh, like, an approach challenge. yeah in in my head they have like those like backyard inflatable pools and you have to throw discs into those. That, that's what it is <laughs> in my head. <laughs> All right. So yeah, so each each win, each team that wins one of the skills gets a point. Makes sense. Sounds good. And, and we covered it's going to be FPO against FPO, MPO against MPO, which sounds great. Then day two is all-star doubles. So captains select three doubles players from their teams. Then they seed their doubles pairs, one, two, and three. And then... The one seed plays the one seed, the two seed plays the two seed, the three seed plays the three seed. I think that's so, really interesting. I do too. To me, this opens up some like weird gamesmanship though, doesn't it? For because, sure. But like, is that good? Like to I, me, I, that, I feel sick. like it goes against the spirit of the of the the rules. Like to me, it sounds like they want to try and make three three stroke play doubles matches that are going to be interesting but like if one if they if people just end up kind of like weirdly seeding their teams like maybe you just end up with with disproportionate events i don't know maybe it'll be maybe it'll be cool who knows i think it'll be fun because like it's it's you sort of can't stack all three of your teams so like yeah i i I think it'll be good i think it'll end up being like fairly even teams i yeah yeah, I, I, I mean, that's gonna be this the is the All Stars, right? So like yeah. everyone, everyone, all these players good. are quite good. Yeah, so like it, it's never gonna be that bad. But I do think that the captains deciding the seating is weird to me. I would, I would prefer just generating the seating based on um, average DGPT finish or how how you got seated going into the event, personally. But that's fine. So each winning pair gets a point, so that's gonna add to your your total for the end of the weekend. And then the Sunday, the last event is. Uh, all-star singles and this one they are taking the seeds that i want them to use which is the ones from dgpt uh standings going into this event and so they'll everyone plays uh against their corresponding seed so one seed plays against one seed two against two and i think this event sounds like it's gonna be sick i'm i'm very excited really fun to, to see how this goes i mean if nothing else, we get Eagle versus Calvin and Paige versus Katrina. We know we're getting that. That, that sounds al- great. That already sounds great. Exactly. That, that's worth the price of admission on its own. And then, yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, all these players are great. You're going to see some some really good matches, I think. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think it'll be interesting to see, like, if you maybe end up with some stylistic differences. Like, it might be interesting if if the teams end up with something where like you have like a James Conrad who has to go against like a Gannon Brewer or a, an Ezra Aderhold seems unlikely with the way that they're seated. But, but if that happened, it would be kind of fun to see the, the kind of uh, contest of like, you know, James who's a very good 
woods golfer, super controlled, not necessarily known for his distance against someone who is basically only known for their, well, not only known, but really known for their distance, you know, like (laughs) something like that. Um, yeah, the and, other... and I mean that could happen on the FPO side as well too. I'm just looking at it. There's there's some there's some heaters of some matchups here that are well, yeah, possible. The other really interesting thing to me is they're they're streaming the draft live. So yeah, I think it's going to be interesting how serious the captains take the draft. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Maybe uh, in a future episode we'll do a mock draft. We'll we'll try and mock draft some teams and see how things shake out. That would be, be fun. You can be Eagle and Page, and I'll be Katrina and Calvin, or something, and we'll we'll mock draft both divisions. I'm committing yeah. us to it. I, I've said it out loud. Now it's happening. Speaking uh, it into existence. That's exactly right. But uh, what are your overall feelings of this of this All Star format? Now that we know the whole format, I love it. I, it sounds great. Uh, me, to me. me too. I, I'm I'm very excited for it. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to try to watch as much of it as I can. This is sort of exactly what I think you and I were looking for. It's cleaner. Like it makes more sense and there's fun new stuff that isn't needlessly complicated. Exactly. Which I, I, I quite like. Uh, oh, my cat is on the warpath. If you hear oh rustling in the background, it's him. Is, um, is he going for the disc? He's not going for the disc. He was sleeping on it earlier, though, which is very cute. Interesting, interesting. Uh, yeah, great segue, though. Let's uh, let's transition into into our our closing segment, which is the disc on the desk. So, for those of you who weren't here last time, uh, I was the guesser, uh, and the way that this segment works is that one of us has a disc on their desk, and the other gets to ask questions that you can answer with yes or no. So, if you've ever played twenty questions, it's a lot like that. Uh, last time it took me 12 guesses to ascertain that the disc on Jer's desk was a Brian Earhart signature series zone. Um, so I have a disc sitting on my desk. Jer is going to ask me questions that I can answer with yes or no. And he's going to try and, and guess the disc on my desk. So go ahead, Jer. A- ask away. Is this disc a Discraft disc? It is not. Is this disc a Discmania disc? Uh, it is not. Is this disc an Innova disc? It is not. Oh dear. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of other companies that you actually buy discs from. Um, is this disc from one of the trilogy companies? It is not. What? Yeah, this is it's this is a tough one. I think. Is this disc from a North American company? It is, yes. Okay. Is this disc from MVP Axiom or Streamline? Uh, no. We've talked about the company this disc is from on this on the show already this week. Yep. Is this disc from Prodigy? Yes, it is a Prodigy disc. Oh, I didn't think you owned Prodigy disc. <laughs> Are you keeping track of the number of questions? I, I am, yeah. We're at nine, I think. Oh, dear. It's a disaster. Well, let, let's check it. You said Discraft, Discmania, Innova, uh, Trilogy, uh, Axiom, Streamline, MVP. But I guess, we'll, okay, never mind. We won't count them as groups. So you're, you're, this was six. Was, is, it a, is it a project okay. disc? Yeah, because if yeah, you, you're, you only, you're, you're only answering yes or no. I'm not, yeah. I'm not lumping yeah, three yeah. questions into one. Yeah, um, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Is it 
a fairway driver? No. Is it a mid-range? No. Is it a distance driver? Yes. So now you're at nine. Is it a special disc? Uh, no. I, I well, I, I'm gonna say no. It, it okay. is in like a kind of more premium plastic, but it's not like a signature series or anything. Is it a D2? Uh, no. Is it a D1 Max? Yes. You nailed it. There's a D1 Max. It's a really sick Spectrum bottom stamped D1 Max. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a nice one. I'll post it up on the Instagram after this. It's kind of a yellowy blue with a, like a bit of a bluish purple halo effect, and then the bottom is is super purple and yellow. I think that was thirteen, if I if I counted correctly. Let's go back. <laughs> okay, you you asked Discmania, Discraft, Innova. The answer was no to all three. Then you trilogy. asked trilogy, trilogy, which is four. Then you asked MVP family, which is five. Then you asked. Prodigy, which was six. Yep. Then you asked Fairway, which is seven. You asked Midrange, Mid-range. which is eight. Then distance you asked Driver, distance driver nine. which is nine. Then you asked if it was a... D2. D2, which is ten. Then you asked if it was a... I think uh, I got it on the next one. Oh, Special Disc, eleven. Special special Disc is eleven, and then that's right. D1 Max was... was I think we guess? tied. We've tied. All right, perfect. I, I well, thought I was... I was 12, so that's why I, I wanted to. All right, to right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, yeah, okay. So you're 12. So we, we tied. So anyway, but I will I will post a photo of I this gorgeous ties. looking disc. It has a, has a nice top stamp, too, actually. It's a little astronaut ripping a, ripping a backhand. It's, it's, it's good. I uh, acquired it. Is that it the recently. only Prodigy disc you own? No. I have three Prodigy discs. All right, all right. Uh, now, the other question is how recently did I get two of these Prodigy discs? And the answer to that question is this week um i see so like uh, not unreasonable for you to feel somewhat hard done by i'm surprised you got d1 max to be honest i I think you mentioned it to me which is the only reason i went for it i see the smoking gun yes (laughs) (laughs) or a checkoff's gun i guess check checkoff's disc on the desk um yeah well okay so great well done so yeah like i said i'll I'll post those up on the on on our social media for you to see jer I'm sure you can uh, make sure that makes it onto the Twitter as well. Yeah. Um, so thanks so much for tuning in. We're gonna we're gonna close out our episode. We've managed to go over the hour, and uh, as much as I claimed we would just cut the recording at 60 minutes, we didn't do it. Uh, my cat managed not to turn the recording off at any time either, which is great news for us. Uh, so thanks so much for listening. It's been a blast talking to you about the off season. Like I said, next time maybe we'll do a little mock draft of the of the All Stars teams and uh, debate who whose team is better. Um, if you want to follow us for our social media, you can follow me at LC Discworld on Instagram. You can follow Jer on Twitter at JRH White. Uh, and if you want to find the Disc Golf Hour on any social media, Twitter, Instagram, it is the Disc Golf Hour, all one word. Uh, and if you have questions, concerns, things you want us to talk about, email us at thediscgolfhour at gmail.com. Uh, Jer, you got any final words you want to give to people? No, that was that was great. I'm I'm excited right. to keep doing this. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm stoked. Even though it took us like way too many attempts to start the intro once we got going. Whoa, it was a, yeah, it was a nice episode. Smooth sailing from here. <laughs> Knock on wood. Um, yeah. So thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.